0: everyone, and welcome to the Wad Tack, episode 62 Invisible vs. Visible, recorded August 29th, 2011. This week we're going to uh, have sort of a philosophical discussion of sorts uh, about uh, different styles of customer service when, when dealing with your uh, staff and your students and that sort of thing. It's uh, sort of an ongoing discussion that we've had here on the show uh, frequently, uh, frequently about uh, the best way to serve your your staff. And uh, this is uh, something, a new wrinkle that we sort of came up with uh, recently and, and we thought we'd share it with you. Uh, as always, uh, my name is Mark and with me is Sean. Hi, Sean. Hey,
1: how's it going tonight? How are
0: things in the way, uh, a world of seventh grade, uh, uh, education?
1: Well, um, they're going good, I guess, all things considered. Uh, started the, uh, first day of the second week. And I, I can't even remember. Did we cover that last week on the show? Exactly how yes, I found the, out I was going to oh be teaching. Oh, by the way,
0: moment. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, dealing with that on top of, you know, not having uh, computers working in my classroom right now, which is like the one classroom, right? Um, You really
0: need to talk to the techs about that.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, but, you know, that presented a great opportunity. And, Mark, I got to give you credit for bringing this up, but I have a a room full of computers, and they're admittedly probably the oldest hardware set that we have in the district, or, well, nearly. Darn close. We
0: have older, but they're way down there.
1: Right. Um, but certainly, uh, probably the oldest daily used computers that we have in the district. And uh, we've been having troubles with them. Well, you know, we tried to upgrade them to Windows 7 and we had problems there. Now we're looking at having to try and get them back to XP. And we're going to talk about all that stuff later. But uh, in the end, you know, we're having to do all of this loading of software. They don't want to work with fog. Uh, and so we're doing this manual G4L uh For those of you that don't know, Ghost for Linux and imaging that way. But the majority of the lab, being that they were so old, the uh, CD-ROMs just didn't work anymore. So uh, we've had these old CD-ROMs that were in boxes that uh, had never been opened, And uh, they didn't really make, you know, we couldn't use them anywhere else in the district. But here it was, perfect opportunity to use these things. So, uh, I mean, we were going to throw these things in the computers anyway. So Mark says well, why don't you, uh, you know, have your students do that? You know, you've got all these computers and all these CD-ROMs that you need to put in there. And, you know, Mark, when you first said it, I thought you were crazy (laughs)
0: because
1: we're dealing with middle schoolers here, (laughs) you know. But uh, it went fairly well. I was a little shocked, quite honestly. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be responsible enough that, you know, when we started opening up computers that uh, I I was thinking they were just going to – start breaking stuff. You know, it kind of tends to be that, that age group like stack that way. Uh, but they were really good. I mean, they got in there and, uh, you know, I gave them kind of a period of instruction on the major components of a computer and, uh, told them what we were going to be doing and showed them how to do one. And they dove right in. I mean, it was amazing. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much, that's been the, how the last week went at least.
0: They're pretty fearless at that age, which is kind of cool. Um, but and, let's let's go ahead and you said we'll talk about it later. Let's go ahead and cover that now. Uh, we we've talked about um, last week the the hardware from hell, and that's the set that uh, that John's talking about. This these old computers that have really kind of been buggy from day one. Uh, we had some. Um, Uh, We got got caught up. Uh, Some of you may remember years ago, Dell had uh, a major issue with some bad capacitors uh, that were blowing in motherboards. Well, Dell wasn't the only one who bought those batch of capacitors from China. Um, uh, Foxconn, who's a Chinese manufacturer, uh, was using it in their motherboards, too. And so we had um, to replace almost every motherboard in these uh, about 140 or so of these computers that were bought um, uh, over a period of uh, a year and a half or so, Um, and... uh, we replaced lots of them, and then we ended up having a problem with the power supply. We ended up having to replace pretty much all the power supplies. Of course, this was all warranty stuff, but still, it's a big hassle when uh, your your lab goes down, you know, like three at a time every day. Uh, so we've had trouble with these things forever, but, you know, again, we're the TIEWADs. we got to hang on to these things. We can't just throw them out. Um, and so we worked up an image with... with um, uh, fog and put Windows 7 on one and it worked just fine. And the imaging, the process of deploying that image ruined them. Uh, it just messed up. Uh, so we blamed the network driver. It's the, for those of you who know, it's the SIS 900 series network driver, which is known to be uh, garbage. Um, and, uh, but uh, Fog. Actually didn't work with it at all for a while. Now it does with the latest update, but uh, it's really slow and and it just it ruined it. And so I've spent uh we'llwatch on probably each of us have rebuilt that image three times independently. So like right. like six or seven times we've had to rebuild that image because it's gotten messed up, and we fell, fall, fell back to our older tool, Ghost for Linux, which is a great tool, uh, not as good as Fog, but it's good for a uh, more manual process. Um, and we just never could get anywhere. Um, well, let me rephrase that. Some of them work fine with Windows 7. Some of them don't. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really weird. But what we learned is if you've ever... Um, imaged a machine on uh, with Windows that has had Linux installed on it, or tried to install Windows on a machine that had once had Linux on it, uh, you, you will know that the bootloader is different. Uh, Windows uses their own bootloader. Uh, Linux usually uses Grub or Lilo. Um, and you end up having to wipe the master boot record to, to fix that. Well, it turns out, at least the, the way it looks like right now, Windows 7 does the same thing. So if you put Windows 7 on a machine and then later try to roll it back to XP... You're going to have to to wipe it. You're going to have to uh, delete the master boot record. We use Derek's boot and nuke to do that because it's quick and easy. Um, Because even if you put Windows back on it, it's not going to boot. Everything will be there. The file system will be intact. It just won't boot. Uh, because that other bootloader, the Windows 7 bootloader, is there. And I'm sure the literal net out there will correct me uh, where I'm wrong on that, but that seems to be the way the symptoms work. So if you have this experience, if you try to install Windows 7 on something and for some reason it doesn't work, hardware's not compatible or whatever, you need to go back and it's not working, um, wipe that disk. Uh, Wipe the boot uh, sector, wipe it out completely, and then reformat, repartition, then it seems to work. So that's our Yeah, and that's
1: where it was catching us is we we were so used to in that situation just having to go in and reset up partitions and, uh, you know, using a tool like Gparted to do that. And uh, usually you'd be good to go. But in this instance, and it's funny because, like you said, Mark, we run into that in both instances going from Linux. Uh, and back to a Windows install and then Windows 7 back to Windows XP, and both of them seem to really get down on that low level of the boot sector. And, uh, so yeah, you got to get in there with a tool that you can wipe that out and reset up the drive really totally fresh. So, um, now that we figured that out, we seem to be on the right track.
0: <laughs> it just took us a little while. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the subject of Windows Seven, uh, Sean, talk about your uh, our Windows Seven hack, uh, the profile hack, and and what uh, what you've discovered about that recently.
1: Yeah. You know, and I have to say, because I'm kind of feeling proud of this one because this one's I did- all Sean. Yeah, I really did. I did a lot of homework on profiles with Windows 7, uh, prior to setting up our images. And I did not see mention of this once anywhere out there on the interwebs. So, <laughs> so I'm going to take credit for this. I'm going to call this, the, maybe we'll call this the Kaibel hack. I don't know, but
0: <laughs> the Kaibel modesty uh,
1: postulate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I don't like to take too much credit for anything, but, <laughs> uh, what I noticed, uh, and this just happened in the last week, but, um, you know, we had talked previously in a previous show, maybe last week, about how you uh, how you would rename uh, the local admin account to default, and then that would become your default account. And uh, so it was kind of the workaround for uh, replicating.
0: Well, the, not the account, a, but the folder, uh, the user folder.
1: Right. Let's, that let's user, say
0: it right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so you would rename that folder to default. So if I had a, a local admin account that was named Sean, and uh, and then I go in and I I add the computer to the domain, and I log in then as a domain admin, and then I go back in and I rename that local admin Sean account to or or folder to default, then that. That, in essence, uh, is like copying the profile, and then everybody who logs in after that is going to pick up that, uh, that default profile, which was my local admin account that I had set up and, uh, just the way I liked it.
0: But there are some glitches with that. For example, you don't get like the, uh, the screen, the, the theme, or the Windows background, or the icons, or the start menu, or things that you've put right. in there. Those seem to, to not stick. Uh, right doing yeah, it that
1: so, way some some of the personalizations don't stick but for the most part you know it's a, it's about as close as you can really get and from what i understand out there uh, from everybody that i've uh uh i guess i'll say talk to but you know out there on the web uh that's pretty much the way that it that it is and that's just you know it is what it is and you you live with it uh what i have noticed though is that if you continue to on into the future log in as that local admin, so if you log in as that local admin and you want to make a change to the default profile, uh, it's just log in as that local admin, make the appropriate changes that you want to do, and that might be setting up some shortcuts or whatever. Uh, but make those changes, and it's really it's really an odd process that happens. It, it looks on the surface as you're logged in like you are logged in under t- uh, a temp, you know, using temporary folders, but the changes that you make actually still occur in that folder that you had previously renamed to default. So uh, so there's no real, uh, if you want to go in and change the default profile, you just go log in as that local admin account again and make the changes and don't have to worry about copying folders anymore or doing anything else. Just by virtue of logging in as that local admin uh, account automatically populates those changes into that default folder and uh, it's just a very It's the easiest method to go in and tweak the default uh, profile after you've already set it
0: up. Now, let me see if I can explain what I think is going on there. Um, what happens is uh, Windows doesn't really use folder names. Uh, folder names are for humans. Windows right. uses file identifiers and folder identifiers. So what you do when you, when you create that account, uh, say it's called uh, Golden because it's your Golden setup. You log on as Golden and, you, and that password, and it creates that folder and says, this user uses this folder. So then you rename the folder to default. Well, the next time somebody logs on, it copies the folder named default. But when Golden logs on, it goes to the file identifier regardless of the name. Right. Um, So uh, (laughs) what that means is that you then log in as, as Golden, set up whatever you want, set up the background, the theme, the start menu, all those good things, those get saved in what is now the public folder. Right. So every time you, and that's a better
1: that's a better term to use. Is it now? It's really become the public folder.
0: Right. So it's your default public folder uh, that everybody gets when they log on. Um. So it's it's really very cool uh, the way it it works out, Uh, and it was just sort of a happy accident that we discovered.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I can't even remember why I was doing it now, but for whatever reason I logged in as a local admin on one of our machines and uh made some changes and then logged off and then back on as a student uh and realized that hey, what I just did over there, they just got that. So uh totally just walked into it by accident, but uh uh, very cool. So, just wanted everybody to be aware of it out there. If you're uh, if you're having profile craziness problems like we have been,
0: so that's a, a neat little trick that we found that uh, helps you get more of the expected behavior that that you're used to with windows xp uh it it gets comes a little closer to the way things have always been so a neat a little uh bit of serendipity which is good because the way the last couple of weeks have gone we needed uh some good news because we haven't had a lot of it
1: right yeah uh, and i i gotta say um uh Oh, now you just now I just lost my train of thought, so I'll just say uh, back to you, Mark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On second thought, um, yeah. so yeah. Um, anyway, I did want to say a quick shout out to uh, those of you who've been uh, supporting the show by purchasing um, products from Amazon through our uh, Element Opie. Uh, link uh, elementop.com slash Amazon Uh, I mentioned that before Uh, it sends you straight to Amazon you don't pay any more. the prices aren't any higher but we get a referral fee on that and some of our listeners have been doing that and uh, we are seeing a little bit of money trickle in and uh, every little bit helps and I just want to say thanks and to remind those of you who aren't doing it that if you purchase on Amazon uh, to do that instead of going to amazon.com go to elementopecom slash Amazon you'll get all the same content, everything, nothing will be any different. It won't cost you any more. We just get sort of a finder's fee. And if you're going to buy something not technical, not not computer related, uh, that's even better for us because they, they give you bonus points for you have to tell them what you do, right? So we're a website and we're a tech show. Uh, so if you buy uh, computers and RAM and hard drives, um, that gives us one percentage. But if you go and buy a toaster or um, a loveseat or something like that, we get more. Uh, so it's it's sort of a, an extra thing. So if you're going to buy something from Amazon, you know, diapers, whatever it might be, uh, just please use uh, uh, elementopi.com slash Amazon as the link to get there.
1: Um, I was thinking maybe a new Ferrari
0: yeah if you want to buy yeah. a new ferrari on amazon yeah. uh yeah. that's the way to do it <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um also uh just a quick note uh we've we've talked Often on the show about uh, tablets and mobile computing and, and you know we've, we have made our stand firmly that uh, uh, right now netbooks or, or, or notebooks or, or preferably even the desktop computer is the way to go, the, the, the tool of choice for education. But I was reminded of that today even more when I had a free moment at work while a couple of machines were working and I wanted to edit the show notes that we're using right now in a Google Doc on my phone. Now, again, this is an Android-based phone uh, made by Google using a Google Doc. Google, 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 Google. Um, you would think that everything would work seamlessly. I typed two sentences. It took me nearly 15 minutes, and they were looked like garbage and weren't formatted properly. So that's on a phone, all right? So let's say you're going to say it's the small screen, the small uh, form factor or whatever. I I okay maybe maybe that made it a little harder but just the fact that of editing a, editing a Google Doc is painful you get one line at a time you can't adjust the f- uh, formatting you can't adjust the font size you can't make it bold or underline you can't make a bullet point um all you can do is enter text and so if we're giving these Things to our kids. If we're giving them um, iPads or or tablets uh, of any uh, maker model, the you know Galaxy Tab or whatever, and expecting them to, to produce content, um, we're going to be very disappointed uh, because it just the the product isn't there yet. The ability to produce isn't there yet. They're excellent consumption devices and they're wonderful for that, but all these people out there rushing to spend money to throw money at Steve Jobs' feet uh and put iPads in the classroom or iPod touches in the classroom or even, you know, Galaxy tabs in the classroom or uh you know, if you went and bought a 1000 of the uh HP touch smarts for at uh, 99 bucks each and you're going to put them uh in the uh, classroom, you're you're not you're you're not there yet, it's a mistake. Don't do it. Um, and and yeah. I, I fully agree it is the wave of the future, but it is not the wave of the present, and we have to deal with the tools we have at hand, not the tools that we hope to have in the future.
1: Yeah, you know Mark, and you said it, I mean, you already touched on this, but really it 's all about the difference between content creation and content consumption, and I mean, if educators would really stop and think, do they want children that create or do they want children that consume? and that's that's one of the fundamental problems that i have with apple is that they are they want to turn everybody into a consumer of course they do right they're a business they they sell things they they make money off of this um but when these devices are shoehorned into uh into the education uh sector and you know we're supposed to just happily do this. And uh, when it really is again, all about consumption. And even when we see the apps that the children are using and that the teachers are all, uh, high on, uh, they're, they're again, consumption, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, you have to pay for these things and it's great that the students can interact with these things. And that is one facet of education, but you're missing the most important thing is that kids are not creating with these devices and when they do, they're doing it much less efficiently. Uh, so yeah, I, I you know, there's my two cents. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox yeah. now.
0: So I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this because we've covered it at length. We, you know, our stance, uh, and, and we <laughs> don't leave a lot of wiggle room in it, but there was just an, another thing today that reminded me, uh, that, um, of Of a good reason why these things just aren't there yet. All I wanted to do was make a few edits to a pre-existing document. It was painful, it was slow, it was ineffective. And now, if we're going to ask these kids ki- these kids to actually produce something, um, it's ridiculous. So you so you give them an iPad and they can do their research on it. They can do their their information gathering, and then they have to go to a computer to actually produce something. Well, that's dumb. Give them a computer in the first place. They can still access all that information. And then they can produce when they're done. So anyway, um, enough about that. Uh, I mentioned. Well, st- let's
1: uh, let's get on to the good news. I yeah. mean, there is related good news,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> I mentioned Steve Jobs, uh, one of your favorite people, Sean. What happened yes. in in the world regarding Steve Jobs today?
1: Uh, you know, uh, I, I wish I could say he was fired, but <laughs> that's just not the case. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think everybody that's listening to this by now will know, but uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you live under a rock somewhere. And uh, Steve Jobs stepped down as uh, CEO of Apple. And... Uh, I got to say, uh, you know, I'm a little torn on this because, uh, you know, I, I am a Christian man and I know the reasons that he's stepping down is, you know, he's, he's ill, you know, he's have, he's got failing health and all that kind of stuff. And I don't wish that on anybody. And I I really do hope that he sticks around for a long time. Look back at what this man did in, in the tech world. And there's no doubt that, you know, he's one of the, one of the premier geniuses of the last century, you know? Um, And I have no problem saying that. He's got a great, uh, you know, great flair for design and engineering and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I just couldn't help but think, you know, Apple just shifted like out of fifth gear and they're like downshifted in third, right? <laughs> it has got to hurt. I mean, this guy w- was that company. Right? I don't,
0: I don't bear the personal animus towards Steve jobs that, uh, Sean seems to, for whatever reason. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, uh, as a company, this is, this is a big blow. It has to be a big blow. I, and, um, they'll say that, uh, Tim Cook, I believe is his name, is the acti- uh, man who's been acting as C- a CEO for a while now in Steve's absences, and, and they're going to say he'll um, um, step right in. And that may be true, but look at what happened to Apple the last time Steve Jobs left. Now, the last time he left, it wasn't his choice. He was essentially shown the door. Um, right. But within 10 years, that company was all but dead and he came back and 5 years later the company was on top again. So you cannot divorce Steve Jobs from Apple. Um they the two the the history and the fate of the two are intertwined. So it will be interesting to see what happens uh now that Steve is leaving as, as CEO. Now he he will remain as chairman of the board. Um and so I I suspect that they will have to pry the keys from the from his office out of his cold dead hand he's going to be involved and he's going to be active in that company for as long as he can but i also think that the as long as he can thing it's pretty clearly not going to be that long um he's a man who was diagnosed with a fatal illness like five years ago um and is still hanging around because he's a bazillionaire and, and can afford the best best care but at some point in the near future, his health will not allow him uh, to be involved in that company. And um, when that happens, you know they probably got two or three years worth of product in the pipeline right now. Uh, but when when the Steve Jobs era fully ends, um, will they? Will Apple continue to be the uh, almost mythical unicorn of business that it has been? Uh, because uh, often their sales numbers or whatever aren't even based on reality. People people buy their product not really based on reality. They buy it based on Steve. So what happens when the Steve magic is gone?
1: Well, I I mean I have heard that they are they're, work, they're working on things right. They're trying to keep it uh you know keep the company from derailing. So uh you know they'll be uh, probably this in the coming weeks interviewing the Dalai Lama. And David Crush's nephew uh, for <laughs> for potential CEOs. So you know they're gonna they're gonna get somebody out there you know, that's gonna put the company back on the uh, Steve Jobs track.
0: Uh, can anybody put the company back on the Steve Jobs? Can anybody <laughs> but Steve Jobs do that?
1: Now, I mean, he is, he is truly a unique individual, uh, you know, in prep for the show and, you know, I know uh, plenty about him, but I, I had to go and read the Wikipedia, you know, Steve jobs, Wikipedia page. And, uh, and you read back through that and it's just, it's pretty amazing, right? I mean, you can't discount what the guy has done in his life. Uh, so with that, I'll say, you know, just, uh, seeing him kind of right off into the sunset for whatever reason, uh. It's kind of sad because he's at least kept it interesting, right? I mean, what, who am I going to have to talk about now?
0: <laughs> so, I have a feeling you'll find somebody.
1: I probably will. There's always some new evil empire out there. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking of the evil empire, I mean, uh, uh, Bill Gates, uh, his future and 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 past rather, and and um, uh, Steve Jobs are are closely intertwined. And and when Bill Gates left. Um, nobody said what's going to come become of microsoft uh because it's it's they're different personalities the microsoft didn't ooze bill gates through its every pore uh it was clear that he was the the driving force for the company and and then when he went on uh to do other things the company pretty much stayed the course hasn't gone up hasn't gone down it's pretty much been the same but uh the can apple survive without steve's dna uh, i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, I I know people out there think I'm a, um, a, uh, uh, an Apple hater. I'm not Sean's the Apple hater. Uh, I'm I'm just, I'll I'll take up that mantle. (laughs) Um, but, uh, um, I hope the company does well because that's good for innovation. It's good for uh, the tech industry as a whole. It's good for American business. So I want Apple to continue to do well. I just wonder what that new direction will be. I mean, uh, can anybody else step up on a stage uh, in a black turtleneck and faded blue jeans and be described as electrifying, as Steve uh, often is?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, come on. I mean, those kind of people and you, you people out there, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, they, they, they have to have their icon. So it's going to be, it's going to be somebody. I mean, you know, maybe the next CEO of, uh, I don't know, uh, Android or not Android, uh, HTC, I don't know, something. They're going to, they're going to pick some company that has somebody who's got something interestingly weird about them and that will be their new following. They'll make, cute little white <laughs> devices. And, what was that guy's name? Talk about how they sell more of them than anything <laughs> else in the world. They sell more of their HTC phones than, than, uh, I, rice i don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was that guy's name the the Hail bob guy t or doe or something like right that? yeah um, yeah they, they need to find that guy well obviously he's not not around anymore but we need they need to find the next t uh to be uh to be the ceo of apple
1: well that was and that was my that was my the imagery that immediately popped into my mind I mean it was that morning uh, uh, the night or the morning after I guess the announcement or uh, whatever and that was the imagery that popped into my mind. I was like Apple users playing on beds with purple <laughs> handkerchiefs over them and wearing their Nikes like they're all gonna go off to. Never Neverland <laughs>
0: <laughs> Clutching their uh, maybe iPads Maybe now's a good time, as as time To say that are. Is
1: Sean At the Tightwadtech.com
0: Or at LMNOP.com
1: Oh yeah 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 Let's throw right. that one out there yeah. I know Old habits die hard Right That's S-H-A-W-N
0: uh, yeah. One other item That's in the news That I wanted to talk about Sean I don't know If you researched this Any at all or not But uh, recently uh, A couple of weeks ago um, a, a Missouri law Was passed that it's often called The Anti-Facebook law Basically um It's a it's a really long law covering a lot of things, but there's like two sentences in there that said that a teacher can't have a private electronic conversation with a student that I'm paraphrasing heavily. Uh, But it was essentially um, you can't have a a private chat, a private email or uh, even a Facebook uh, friendship with a student period. Um, you can't have it uh, in school. You can't have it out of school. You can't have it. It even said former students. So, you know, but the way the law was written, uh, you're 92. Your former student is 78. You still can't have an electronic conversation with them in Missouri. Um, and it was it was sort of a big deal. People were talking about what's that going to do to education? How are you how are we going to work or within those constraints? Well, a judge this week, uh, basically threw it out, said it's an un- that part of the law is unconstitutional, uh, doesn't meet uh, the Missouri constitutional uh, standards, and uh, and so right now it's he he basically created an injunction to keep it from going into effect. A judge doesn't have the ability to throw out a law, but he can stop it from being enforced. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with uh, Missouri and their anti Facebook legislation. Sean, I think I recall one of your guests on the Taiwan teacher talking about. Uh, his state had either passed or was about to pass a similar legislation. Am I am I right on that?
1: Yeah, I don't recall uh, all the details, but th- those things are popping up. And uh, I just have to say I- I've had some experience with that. And that's, I mean, that's a really tough one. I mean, you really put teachers in a tight spot because uh, all of these students have these social accounts. And <clears throat> I ran into that last year and haven't quite run into it this year. But uh where the the kids are gonna they're gonna find you online and uh and even like in a district like ours, where we have email and things like this, so all of the students and the teachers have email and it's it's not hard to figure out what your email address is right um and so these students want to communicate with you if you're if you're think about it if you're a good teacher uh the the kids do connect with you but you have to it's a very fine line you have to walk so it's already tough I have I've had students try to friend me on Facebook and I have to tell them no I can't do that um, and they they have a hard time with that because they don't understand right they don't they don't realize all of those evils that are going on in the world and uh, so when they think of friending you on Facebook they don't think about uh, uh, you know, you might be drawn into court over it or anything like that. So it's really tough. And I, I, but at the same time, and I'm dealing with middle schoolers, I've, I've been straightforward with them and say, you know, no, you can't do that. And it's not appropriate, uh, type of, uh, it's not an appropriate form for us to be, uh, connecting, you know? And, uh, I think that's okay. You have to, that's part of being an educator, right? Is, is showing these kids what is and is, is not appropriate online in the digital environment uh when it comes to communication. Um you know, it, it goes to how they how they carry themselves online and present themselves online and uh for teachers, it's the same thing and it's more stringent. It's going to be more stringent for teachers, but I think that's a good example to show them. Um uh, so certainly I've had them send me messages, I've had them send me emails and and uh ask, you know uh, simple things like how is, uh, how is the day going or am I going to be teaching this year? And I have no problem responding to that. Uh, what I think is kind of funny is they want to block this kind of stuff, but it, it's really stupid because if you are the pedophile teacher or whatever that they're all worried about, uh, this is just a way to document that, Right. Yeah, I mean, a good point. <laughs> so why block it, man? Let them let them communicate on Facebook. And, you know, I mean, it, it's the it's the dumb ones that are going to hang themselves out there in the digital uh, divide. So go right
0: ahead. Yeah. My, my concern about that is the the far reaching nature, particularly of this law. Um, some of my good friends were students of mine at one time. And they've gone on, and they're adults now, and they have family. And and uh, I've worked with them, you know, I've hired them, I've I've helped them get jobs other places. Uh, I I chat with them regularly, and under this Missouri law, all of that would be Ill- well, not the personal relationship, but anything electronic would be illegal. Uh, so I think when we're trying to protect kids, we need to be careful to understand that they're they're not always kids. Um and yeah we may have had a teacher student relationship at one time but you know they graduated in two thousand two and so it's you know they're they're adults now and um d- does that preclude me from ever having a friendship with any of these people and it seems a little um short sighted uh to to well and that's exactly what it is <laughs> you're you're looking at the short yeah. term instead of the long term.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, but you know, these are the these are the things that are going to have to happen as we progress. You know, and all these t- new technologies come up, and uh, you know, the government has to sit there and try and overregulate everything. So why not this?
0: So one of our visitors in the chat room says, "As a, it's really important as a male teacher not to put yourself in a questionable situation." Um, um unfortunately, a lot of the news stories that you read aren't about male teachers, uh, so it works both ways. Um, Yeah,
1: there's Mark, there's websites out there that is like, I don't know, badteacher.com or whatever. And you can go out there and it's like, you know, every couple of days, there's some new story from across the country or even across the globe where some teacher is done something inappropriate um uh, and i i gotta say i've seen some of those sites and it was shocking to me how many women were were on there and and then i thought about it and said well it kind of makes sense it's a proportion thing right i mean there's there's many more women in the classroom than there are men so um you know I, i'm sure it probably falls pretty close to the same uh, ratio as uh, women to men in the classroom yeah
0: so there's our really long, um, in the news segment. Uh, but that's okay because the next part is going to be pretty short, the actual meat of the show. Uh, but one of the, I don't know if I can explain this as well as Sean, but I'm going to try and then he can, uh, clean up where I messed up. Um, one of the, um, Differences that Sean and I have noticed about the way the two of us interact uh, with uh, with our staff and with our jobs is my goal is about efficiency, and often um, uh, I do so invisibly. So, if there's a problem that I can fix remotely, I might be working on six or eight computers at a time remotely. Um, and that's invisible. It happens. The problems just go away. In fact, people, uh, teachers or, 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 uh, principals or whatever will often see me and say, well, I haven't seen you in a while. And one of the, the favorite sayings I've come up with over the years is, is if you don't see the wizard, everything is well in Oz. Um, and so if, you know, if, if you see me out and about, it's probably because something is wrong and, and I'm rushing to do something. Um, because I've always, you know, for the almost 15 years I've had this job, I've had that sort of invisible, uh, way of doing things. I like to get in when they're not there. I'll, I'll go in before school and fix their problem. I'll go in after school. I, I like to be like the, the cobbler's elves that just makes his shoes for him while he sleeps. Um, but there the, the flip side of that is, uh, people often think you're not working um, when that happens. Uh, and Sean has told his story about the guy in the Navy just walking around with a wrench all day, not doing anything. Um, people think he's working. And and we kind of had this conversation, which is more important? And and they're both equally important, but which is more important, that you get a job done efficiently and invisibly or that you be seen doing your job?
1: Well, I, I just have to jump in and say I think that you have to have a mix. and in in technology and most of the you know the true tech geeks that are out there they have a tendency to uh, well they're a little bit more like the engineer right as far as how they think and you know they're just more engineering minded and so it's everything has to be uh make sense it's got to be logical right and so the logical ways of thinking is to say I need to be as efficient as possible and, you know, I can set everything up that I can do remotely. I can do all of my functions remotely and, uh, do all of these things and, uh, not even have to leave my desk and I can manage these 500 or a thousand computers or whatever. And I don't have to leave my desk throughout the day. And that is absolutely true. But, uh, but there is that other side and it, uh, most of those engineering minded type of people and an, super analytical people don't see is, is the people side of, of that equation. And what people are going to see, uh, there's a perception there that you don't do anything. You're in your office playing video games all day long or looking at porn or whatever, you know, but you're, you're not actually working uh because nobody ever sees you. And, Again, now you go back to the other side of the argument, and to the to the analytical tech uh, guy, and he's going to say, "Well, you know, there, that's you know, there's no weight to that." But the fact of the matter is, is there's uh, I, I love this. I picked it up in a, from a management seminar or something one time. But it was that perception is reality, and if the perception out there among the people who you support is that you don't ever do anything. then does it really matter? I mean, what you're doing, uh, you know, does what you're doing matter so much if if the end user is not really uh, convinced that they're getting that quality of of support? Uh, The ironic thing is, is that you could actually be more present and be more out there where people can see you. And they are going to, in their minds, experience better customer service because they see you Doing things, they're like getting to know you, then they see that you're, you're out there working hard to try to support them and they're more willing to forgive your shortcomings in the end. So uh, I think you have to walk that line. You can't go crazy. You can't go all the way either way
0: uh, last year, um, uh, toward about this time, end of the first or second week of school, I sent sort of, a um, an attaboy letter to our teachers, just sent it out to the staff, uh, complimenting them on, uh, how well they had integrated some of our new stuff. We had just rolled out Google apps. We made a lot of changes. We'd done a lot of new things. Um, and, and I sent, uh, you know, it was, if, if, if printed, it'd probably be a page and a half, a fairly lengthy email, basically just saying, you guys are rock. You're awesome. Um, um, I, I really am honored to work here. I appreciate it. Um, you, you've done these things well, and it's a good thing. Um, and I, I just felt that was, you know, it, it was good to to say something positive. The only response I got from that was one person who wrote back and said, the celebration is premature because these are the problems I have in my classroom and you haven't addressed them yet. Uh, so it was, it was, you know, it was interesting. It, 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 I hadn't thought about it until that, that, in that context until just now, is that this person thought I was wasting my time sending emails to the staff instead of fixing their problem. Um, and, and, you know, maybe they don't see that. Maybe the fact, may, maybe the fact is the wizard needs to be seen in Oz walking the streets more often. But being the purely analytical engineer kind of guy I am, um, that's – I'm doing less work when I do that. When I go out right. and do something, I'm doing less work. I'm less effective. Um well, What got me thinking about this was a, a blog post written by a Twitter friend of mine. You know, a Twitter friend, somebody you've never met, but uh, you call him a friend. Uh, sure. Your name is Jen Wagner, at Jen Wagner on, on Twitter. Uh She wrote a blog post not too long ago uh talking about – uh this sort of thing. And she, she, she works in a much smaller, uh, district, uh, from, from what I understand. And, uh, uh, she wrote about the fact that people need to see her and they need to see a smiling face. And so that when there's a problem, she gets up out of the chair, even if she can fix it. They don't need to see a cursor moving as if by magic on a screen. They need to see a person interacting with them, understanding they have a problem. Um, and so that, that kind of got me to thinking, I used to do more of that until I got more efficient right and I really did get more efficient I can now get more done but it's often the only only interaction anybody has with me is text on a screen and a cursor moving as if by magic um, and so uh, I wonder if my customer service relationship has suffered and, and I'm you know I'm not uh, going to say anything that that isn't already known if, if people listening to the uh, to this who work for me uh, work with me uh, hear this I'm not terribly well liked by a lot of the people uh, uh where i work um that you know there are some who do uh, but there's a lot who don't they don't like me um and there's a lot of reasons for that uh, i i am a i'm a personable guy but i tend to have a greater affinity for the truth than most people can handle um and and so well, yeah
1: you're you're very very direct even when it's maybe something that you don't necessarily want to hear <laughs> yeah
0: um, so. And so you know i get that but um it, it. What's interesting is they all love Sean. Um, But there are some who won't talk to him because there's too much fluff there. They go to me because they know I'll get to the heart of the problem and I'll fix it. So over the years of the two of us being there, they've sort of honed in. Sean is my tech and Mark is my tech. Um,
1: yeah. I- I'd like to say my people have very good taste. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and the fact is, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean here, but Sean has a fraction of the technical abilities and knowledge and skills and expertise that I do. Right. But they think he's a better tech because they like him better.
1: Well, and, and that, you know, we've talked about that. It just gets down to, you know, some people want to hear a, Hey, how was your day and how are your kids doing? Um, and for those people, yeah, I mean, they think I'm, I'm the way to go. You know, I'm, I'm the bees knees of, of the tech world. And, uh, so it's funny because I think even in some, some instances, and this really gets to the point that we're talking about is they would rather deal with somebody who they even know is less technically proficient, uh, because of the delivery. Um, and, and that feeling of they're getting some personal attention and you know, uh, that, that they really crave that people crave that personal attention. So, uh, you know, that is a perfect kind of microcosm of what's going on there. Uh, you know, those people are going to like me the people who are more direct and more uh analytical and engineer minded uh they don't want to do all that small talk you're just wasting their time uh they absolutely go to you and yeah. you know even on things that you are really below you you know they're beneath you they're things that i should be working on um but they will sidestep me every time because they really don't want to talk about you know the weather or the kids or, or anything else. You know, they could care less how I'm doing, so. Yeah.
0: But Paul at yeah. the chat room says, sometimes I think really technical folks scare other people. And I think that's exactly right because I've had I've heard people say and even had them say to me, uh, but most often I hear it third, second hand or when they don't think I'm in the room. It's amazing if you crawl up under a computer desk what you can hear when people don't think you're in there working. Uh, but yeah. uh, uh, I've heard people say, Mark makes me feel stupid. Now, I... I have never intentionally berated anybody, but it's just that I sound smart, I guess. And when I, you know, and and I've I've told uh, the football coaches this one time. He uh, uh, said, you know, was talking about how he's just an idiot uh, when it comes to computers. And and uh, and I said, well, you know, I I don't know what a four three de- defense is. I don't know who the X's and the O's are on that board over there. It's just different worlds. You know, I'm an idiot in your world and it's okay for you to be an idiot in my world and me to be an idiot in your world. The world needs both of us. Uh, So I think people, uh, tech guys have to go out of their way to not make people feel stupid. And sometimes the only way, the only thing you have to do to make people feel stupid is be right. Um, You know, I I had uh, just this, this morning, somebody called me with a problem Um, that they had been struggling with for several minutes, and I solved it in a couple of seconds. Okay, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. But at the end of the phone conversation, this person said, I feel so dumb. And it's because it took me five seconds to fix what they've been working on for 45 minutes. And so that makes them feel dumb.
1: But Mark, here's, here's the difference in that situation, and I think this is where I see it, the difference between you and me in that exact situation there, is the analytical person is going to, in that situation, they're going to go, oh, no, you know, they might play it off really quickly, but they don't really, they don't really pick up on that, like, psychological, emotional need that that person, you know, that that kind of weird spot that they're in, and uh, so they don't really address it so much, and that's something that I do more naturally, it's just by virtue of my personality, but I see that. I see them respond that way. And then it turns into, and it might be a three, four, five minute conversation after that, but it's, oh, no, don't you worry about it. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, if we were at home and we had the knitting needles out, I would look like a fumbling idiot. And, you know, and we go on and on. And the next thing you know, we have this long conversation and it ends up going completely off into something else. But I've put them at ease and I think I've kind of disarmed them a little bit. And that's, again, that's that's something that is a lot of just wasted talk, and especially to the analytical mind, they're just like, that is such a waste of time. But it's really not. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what to say with regards to this because it's, it's not a real easy fix. If you're that analytical person, you can't just phony it up. I mean, right. you just can't fake a smile. People can see through that. You can't fake through the smile and whatever. So it's almost one of those. Uh, if we can just all learn to get along, type of situations.
0: <laughs> I mean. Well, what I'm trying this year, I, I have set a goal for myself, uh, and it, it goes uh, to a number of areas in my life. Um, I, I've shared uh, on the the other podcast I do, one of the others, uh, one meal, one workout. That you know, I'm I'm working to lose some weight and, and make some changes in my life. But one of the one of the underlying uh, things that I've tried to do uh, to to address that and this issue that we're talking about today is I'm. I'm striving to be more immediate instead of waiting to do something when it would be more efficient or more effective. I'm going to do it now. If something needs to be done, I'm going to do it now. Um, that results in me getting up from my chair a lot more at home and at work. Um, and so the last few days, this this first week and a half or so uh, that uh, students have been back, people have probably seen me more in these few days than they had all of last year. Because I'm not doing things remotely. I'm getting up and doing it. And I, I want to see what the end result is at the end of the year. Um, uh, am I regarded differently? Will people uh, uh, make comments? Will I feel differently about it? Uh, I want to see what happens. So uh, I'm really focusing on immediate and personalized attention. Now, it may be that, that I come off like Nick, your company's computer guy from, uh, from Saturday Night Live, that I get up and I'm immediate and I go do something and then they feel like a schmuck when I leave. I try not to do that. I never have intentionally belittled anybody, but that, but I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that it's got to have happened at some point. So my, my goal this year is to, to address things immediately and efficiently, but Personally, at the same time, instead of handling it over the phone and via uh, italk, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk across campus and I'm going to interface with that elementary teacher face to face and um, and see what happens. Um, and so that's maybe, I don't know if that's a challenge or a a suggestion. I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, take it and do with it what you will, but it's what I'm going to try to do this year. And I'll let you know, as the year goes on, um, if I'm seeing any different results, but I think particularly people in in my position who have started at the bottom and worked their way up, you know, working your way up means not having to do those things. You have minions to do those things. Right. Um, and that's another point. I'm very
1: good looking witty minions.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that's another uh, point I wanted to bring up is when you dispense a minion to do something, that lowest level person then becomes the face of your department. So that part-time high school graduate um, who works for you 15 hours a week to do grunt work is the only tech department your people see. So if right. he is fumbling and 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 being what he is, right, being partially skilled and and uh not very knowledgeable, because that's what I hire him to do. If he was knowledgeable, I couldn't afford him.
1: Uh, uh, let's let's just clarify. We we are not talking about Sean right now. No. no. <laughs> Just want to make sure that's straight out there. I hired
0: Sean for his sexy bald head, let's be honest. Yeah,
1: thank you, thank you.
0: (laughs) But uh, No, but we all have those guys, right? Or maybe we contract somebody, we hire somebody who comes in and and is a, uh, a troubleshooter once in a while. If they're the people that your staff sees more often, they become the face of your tech department. So do you want minimum wage guy to be the face of your tech department? Probably not.
1: Well, and Mark, you know, it's funny you bring up that point, but it is, a, it's such a fundamental customer service point that even the largest companies don't get, they would rather sacrifice that to save a dollar than, you know, than to put a good face out there. I mean, we've all talked about how, you know, AOL and yeah, all these the other Dell companies, guy. right. And how they, you know, they, they outsource it overseas and, uh, you know, you, you may or may not be talking to somebody who's sharp, but the fact of the matter is, you know, th- there's a there's a conversational gap there, uh, the, you know, so y- you put that as your forward-facing person, and that's what everybody's going to see. That's what they're going to think of your tech support, and it can crush you, that whole department, regardless of whether you've got, like you said, you've got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, real uh, hot people in the office, you know, pushing a bunch of buttons and taking care of everything and making everything run. Uh, People don't see that. They see the, yeah, the, the goofball with his shirt half tucked in and, you know, hair all messed up and everything else. And, uh, sitting there fumbling around with their computer the same way they were fumbling around with their computer before he got there. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, You know, it's so basic, and I don't get it. I just don't understand how people don't see those types of things.
0: Hello, and thank you for calling technical support. My name is Alex. How may I be assisting you today?
1: (laughs) Alex, my computer is uh, not not working. I can't get it to turn on.
0: (laughs) Well, I understand. What you are saying (laughs) is that you are having trouble with your computer, and it will not turn on. Have you tried the power button? So anyway, (laughs) do you really want that to be the face of your company? Apparently, a lot of people don't mind that, Um, but... I, I hope that none of us here listening to this show uh, um, are willing to accept that.
1: How well, I, and, and let's not forget that just because we are not like a pro uh, for profit corporation, uh, that we don't need to focus on that. I think it is part of jobs, and uh, I, I would hope that everybody out there sees it that way. You know, I I, I do like to see when emails come across uh, our professional email lists that uh, there are some schools out there who you know, put out uh, questionnaires and, you know, they want to know how they're doing and how, you know, how they're perceived out there. And uh, I would imagine these are probably larger districts that are they're trying to gather that information. But that that's a good thing and that's the right way to be thinking.
0: So. But uh, one downside that just in this last week I've noticed is visibility produces expectations. So just today, Sean and I were in a lab with this, one of these labs we mentioned earlier that's been giving us fits. And we're both in there and we're both working on it. So then a teacher comes in and says, oh, so y'all are going to have this fixed today. All right, because they got two people in there. They got the entire tech department is now addressing this problem. Surely it's going to be solved immediately. And as soon as they, well, I, we walk out the door, we're going to be able to use that lab. So maybe um, having just your minimum wage guy go out there and do the grunt work uh, keeps the expectations more reasonable.
1: Yeah. uh, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, you're definitely right. Just depends on the situation. But uh, we did certainly have that. I mean, a couple of times teachers were coming over and, uh, you know, not only that, but letting us know repeatedly, you know, uh, yeah, we need this lab. We need this. lab. (laughs) You know, obviously, like you said, Mark, you know, this is a situation they don't see very often the entire tech departments in there working on the lab. Uh, it's not going to get done any quicker than than it was possibly going to be done today. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I I guess that's the case. And, you know, that's funny, too, because that also goes back to the whole inefficiency uh, thing. And, you know, you've heard me complain about it time and again in the past, but – Uh, if I go out onto a campus and I have like, let's say I have a list of five or six tickets that I want to get done for the day and I attack the first one or two at the elementary campus or whatever. Um, that's part of the problem being out there on foot is you get stopped and you get stopped repeatedly. And so to do those two tickets, uh, might take three times as long because you're getting stopped every step along the way. People asking the random questions and, you know, oh, I've got this problem or, uh, you know, uh, my son's computer is doing this at home. You know, they they just want to ask you all kinds of random questions or even how are you kids doing and things like that. And uh, it, that can crush your day. I mean, you know, when but, you, see, when no, you
0: – Nobody has those conversations with me because the first thing I say is, I didn't see a ticket on that one. And, yeah
1: yeah yeah well that's yeah that's,
0: that's me being a jerk
1: <laughs> yeah and me and my soft touch right so <laughs> i don't know that's why i think we're a great one two combo there you know <laughs> but uh uh you know it, it's again it's tough you can't be all things to all people so uh rather than try to maybe change too much although mark i do like the idea of what you're doing i think that's that is a good thing um rather than be all things to all people, just uh, be mindful of that. And, you know, always try to think, uh, you know, that you have that dynamic going on and there are other things that you can do to, uh, repair some of those, uh, those relationships that are lacking.
0: You know, and I, it may be that at the end of the year, come May, somebody's going to say, you know, I liked it better when you stayed back in your office more. (laughs) And that, that may be, you know, um, but, uh, I just, you mentioned something that I just had to comment on because I thought it was funny. Um, You know, we're in, we are in this lab, we're trying to fix it. And like no less than four people came in and said, we really need this lab. Yeah. Okay. We, we installed this lab because we think you need it. We're here trying to fix it because we think you need it. Telling us that you need it doesn't change anything. (laughs) But I hear that all the time. It's like, you know, I'm trying to do uh, just, you know, I, I mentioned it on the last show, I started last week with an update to the uh, the student information system, which is the grade book and everything. Well, I started this week with another update, exactly five days later, to the student information system. And um, so I'm doing it, I get there uh, like 7.02 is when I walked in the door this morning, and I start working on it. It takes a while. So people start getting there around uh, 7.30, 7.45, and the phone starts ringing. I, I need to, to do my rosters, I need to do my grades, whatever. I understand that you need to do these things, but I have to do this update. What, but I really need my grades. I understand that you really need your grades, and you will get them back as soon as this update is done. No, but I really need it. Uh, once again, let me is reiterate that I understand that you need them, but this update has to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go back to, fall back to, uh, that's all about delivery.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that you know... Again, that's that's completely it. I mean, there's some there's some of that that builds in why why people don't warm up to you <laughs> as much. Mm-hmm. But no, you know, I was
0: being nice about it. I just said, you know, the situation is what it is. So, well, how, yeah, I mean, you're you're
1: Mark nice, <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And what shocks me is that a lot of these people have known you for years because usually people like that once you get to know really who that person is. um, then you understand that, right? When you, when you know that you're dealing with the engineer, uh, then you understand that that's how you interact with them and that they are maybe being short or direct or to the point because that's just who they are. And you don't, you stop taking those things personally and, uh, trying to read something into it that that, that's really not there. Uh, so that's what shocks me a little bit is, you know, a lot of these people have worked with you for a long time and, uh, they really should know better, right? They should understand who they're dealing with. Um, so, yeah, quite an interesting dynamic. Okay. Have we beat that to death enough? <laughs>
0: well, I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. I'm just, i I'm trying to figure out how it was mean, but you say I was being mean, and I don't know. No,
1: not anything. really mean. Not. It's not so much mean. It's just uh, – it's like when you're direct and short with people. They, they always – okay, the me's of the world – think that there's something wrong, right? Like, uh, I don't know, maybe your dog, you know, you stepped in dog crap on your way out the door (laughs) this morning or, you know, something, something's just not right uh, in your world. And now you're projecting that towards me, uh, kind of thing. Um, because we don't understand that, that method of communication, right? It's, It's just a total disconnect is really all it is. So then we say, well, uh, Gosh, he was real short and direct. I, you know, don't know why. You yeah. know, and he didn't ask me how my kids are doing. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, it's such a beautiful day outside, and he didn't even want to talk about. You know, <laughs> so you know, th- that's all it is. And there- both sides can read way too much into it. Uh, but like I said, it's a little interesting that, you know, once you get to know those people and you get to know the engineers in your life, or if you're an engineer, you get to know all the other crazy, uh, you know, heartfelt people in the world. Uh, you get to understand that that's what their needs are in communication. And, you know, you get to know that there are genuinely good people regardless of how they like to communicate. So, and there,
0: um, you know, there, we develop relationships. There's one person who I knew before I started working there, she attended my wedding, you know, this is somebody that I know, uh, really, uh, really well. Um, and she, Oh, we have that relationship where we can be very direct with each other. And she's one of those people who will just come in. And as soon as I pick up the phone, yeah, 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 She just starts talking Re- and and somewhere in there is a problem that I'm supposed to resolve, but it's it's in between the weather and the kids and the oh look there's a bug crawling. A to- total ADD. Uh, but right. she's one of those people that over the years I've developed a relationship with where I can say um, okay stop, don't don't say another word stop. Was there a reason that you called? Well, I just wanted to <laughs> ta- no 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 stop stop. Was there a reason that you called? <laughs> but I can't do that with everybody.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. It
0: makes me laugh. I hung up the phone today and Sean said, uh, What was it you said? I can tell because I was on speakerphone with this other, with a different person. And uh, you're going to have to tell me what you said. But it was something like, uh, It's obvious there that both of you were struggling to be nice to the other person.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I overheard that conversation. And yes, you two are, you know, oil and water. Definitely. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we're not going to name any names here, but this is definitely a person that, uh, you're oil and water with and yeah, I could, I could overhear the conversation and you had this person on speakerphone. So I actually could hear both sides of the conversation and it was so obvious to me that you both were sitting there and making just tremendous efforts to be nice to each other <laughs> <laughs> it, because your, your communication styles just don't mesh at all. And uh, I gave you both credit. I thought you yeah. did awesome. I mean, that's as good as you can do in that situation, right? Because typically all you're going to do is piss each other off. So, <laughs> so if you could both sit there and make tremendous efforts just to be nice and let the conversation go as nicely as possible, then uh, that's, that's as much as you can do.
0: And just to be clear, there's no animosity. It's not that we dislike each other. It's just that it is a struggle. It's like we speak two different languages and it's yeah. a struggle to communicate. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and I've, I've learned over the years, and uh, and I'm sure you all have learned in your jobs too, who those people are that you will have a hard time just communicating with. Just saying, how was your weekend is sometimes difficult. Um, even if you don't dislike somebody, you just don't speak the same language. Anyway, enough about that. That horse is dead and buried and, um, and long gone. So let's move on to our tips of the week. And uh, my tech tip of the week this week, is uh, it's actually a website that is a utility. It's one of, the, one of the web apps. That's the the way of the future, right? Um, it's it's uh, the, the address is freeopener.com. And uh, the way the website puts it is, if you don't have the software necessary to open a document somebody sent you, our website can probably do it. Uh, somebody sends you a Word document you don't have Word, or if it's a Doc X and, and you have the old version of Word, they can do it. Somebody sends you an AVI file and you're on Linux and you can't open AVIs, upload it here and they'll present it to you in a Flash Player format. Don't have the ability to play a MIDI or a wave or an MP3 file, upload it here and we'll play it back to you. Uh, don't have the ability to open a dot tga file or a dot r a w image file or or whatever uh do it here they 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 open 80 plus types of of files um and it's all free you just upload it and then they spit it right back at to you uh at you in their uh flash slash html5 player so it's a, a handy little tool for those odd formats that come across your desk sometimes that you just don't have the ability to open
1: yeah and just to be clear this is this is something where you can view it. you can't really interact with it or edit it or anything like that right uh,
0: well, I think you can convert it. I didn't actually look that far. I think once you've opened it, you can download it in whatever format you oh. can use
1: now that would that would be really nice. okay. I was thinking this was just kind of a, a universal viewer type of uh type of tool, so
0: um awesome. Yeah, this was something it was sent to me by someone else, I know. I haven't actually used it, so uh, I may be lying to you, but uh, the way I understand it it's a it's uh it's a it's those weird sort of hybrid apps. It's a download that you put on your computer, but it uses their web back end to actually make anything happen. So it's sort of like an Adobe Air type app.
1: Okay. Awesome. So anyway,
0: there you go. freeopener.com Sean, what is our teacher tip of the week? If we haven't alienated all of our teachers so far,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they really want to listen to me, right? Uh, we don't want to listen to what this guy has to say. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in there with something that you can, uh, students can create with. Yes.
0: So it's an so, iPad.
1: It, no. Okay. <laughs> But uh, what it is, yes. and I, I'm gonna now. I see. I stayed away from that, <laughs> and, and I do. I do hate that I, I'm saying that, and then in the same breath, I'm offering up something from Microsoft because uh, yes, I do believe Microsoft to be an evil empire as well. So he hates uh, A-
0: Apple. He hates Microsoft. Who do you like, Sean?
1: Who do I like? Well, I, I actually I mean fundamentally, I like Linux just because of what it stands for, but
0: but I don't use it every day either. He likes Spotify. That's who he likes.
1: Spotify. Spotify is awesome. And that's one of the few uh, things out there that is so well worth the money. Uh, If you don't have an account, you just got to check it out. I don't know if they're still doing invites or not, but uh, I wasn't cool enough to get a Spotify, get any invites on Spotify.
0: Okay. Moving right along.
1: Yeah, anyway, <laughs> so uh, my t- my teacher tip is Kodu, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to give the link because it's another long, ridiculous Microsoft link that has always has E-N hyphen U-S in it. You ever notice that, Mark? It's always English slash hyphen U-S.
0: But if you do a Bing search for Kodu, I'm sure you'll find it. K-O-D-U. Yes,
1: K-O-D-U, yes. Google,
0: and, I don't uh, know, but if you do a Bing search, you should find it. Should I Google Bing? I don't know.
1: Uh, no. but i'm just i'm not going to go too far on kodu uh i highlighted a similar offering called scratch and it's it's basically a very basic programming uh i want to say programming language but it's really a, a programming interface where you can have students go in and uh kind of put different programming elements together very easily in a very uh visual editor and uh, have kids learn about programming while not necessarily getting real deep into programming code or having to learn any particular code so they can kind of learn uh, how programs work and how how programs are built and the logic that goes in behind them but really down on their level and, uh, and their do it level in a fun way. Like
0: middle school and down is who this is aimed at, right?
1: Yeah. I, well, I could see even high schoolers having fun with this. Uh, Kodu seems a little bit more Uh, I don't know where maybe some of the older kids could have fun with it. Uh, You know, in the same breath, uh, you know, I look at scratch and Alice and Kodu and all of these different tools and think uh, I love playing with them, you know, and here I am 39 years old. So, uh, you know, it it can be really fun. Uh, It's certainly uh, Kodu has, I guess the reason I think Kodu leans a little bit more towards the older kids is that it also leans a little bit more towards gaming. Uh, It, it has the programmability to where you can interact with your creation on the Xbox 360 and with the Xbox 360 controller. So there alone, I I can just see that if kids got an Xbox 360 at home and they can go to school and play on this Kodu and program their own little simple game and then take that home and actually play it on their 360. And I believe that happens through Microsoft's, uh, you know you can take your projects and there's they've got sort of a social version to it and then you can access that on through the web uh from your xbox 360
0: um, i'm sure it has live in the name
1: exactly exactly so there there is that that's a little bit of uh, something that i haven't seen in some of these other uh programming games uh is that you have a little bit more of that upper level functionality that i think the older kids will really enjoy uh surely there'll be bored with their own game probably after five minutes, but just by virtue of the fact that they can do it uh, is going to I think hook them a little bit more. So KODU K-O-D-U, Google it or check out our website for the link. Or Bing it. Right, (laughs) right. I, I prefer our website so you know but now would be a good time Mark for you to tell them all about that stuff how do, how do they find information like that what like Kodu website, and Sean? Free Opener
0: <laughs> that would be at elementop.com and all of these things theoretically are in a continuously updated uh, forum post called Tips of the Week <laughs> that Sean updates re- religiously after every the release of every show
1: <laughs> it's a very loose theory <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, elementop.com E-L-E M E N T O P I E. And I've had people ask me, uh, why do you always give that the web address? Because they're, if they're listening to the show, they must have gotten it from the website, right? No, if you found it on YouTube, uh, YouTube, uh, uh, iTunes, iTunes, if you found it on iTunes, um, you didn't get to our website. So you may have subscribed to it and be listening to it. You may be on, you know, your 20th episode, uh, and have never visited the website. So I encourage you to do visit the website because, uh, there's more there than, uh, just, uh, the, uh, forum posts that Sean doesn't update there's show notes for all the shows there's uh, forum posts from other people about other things Uh, we have a number of different shows now that you can listen to and check out, um, and uh, there uh, is all sorts of goodness there. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we we don't put a lot there, honestly, other than maybe, hey, we're doing a live show. Uh, we keep saying we're going to work on that, but let's face it, we're probably never going to. Uh, so if right. you want to find out information, the way to do that is elementop.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do that and we will uh, play it on the air. Uh, you can call us at 530 Frugal, F R U G A L the number two, frugal two, or right there on the website at the top right, there's a button that says call us and you put your number in there and Google will call you and you can leave us a voicemail and we will put it on the air uh, and to the woman who recently had a baby in Illinois and gave them our Google Plus uh, Google Voice phone number, thank you very much because now I'm getting all sorts of stuff from doctor's offices and hospitals and even bill collectors because apparently you don't pay your bills. So we appreciate that, but if you're not that person and you want to call us, go ahead and do that at 530 uh, frugal 2
1: uh, I did get a coupon for a free pap smear though that was, that was pretty cool
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow I, I don't even know how to react to that So I, I, I think
1: maybe that's a, the perfect note to end the show yeah, on right there and that's, free pap smears for all
0: oh wow <laughs> uh, and so before this goes any farther off the deep end this is Mark signing off
1: and Sean signing off